It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. I'd leave that to two entities. One. The January 6th committee and to the Justice Department. That's their judgment, not mine. Those things get into legal issues that, in fact, I told you I would not tell the Justice Department what position to take or not take. And I'm not going to instruct the Congress either. Well, good for you, uh, President Biden. Uh, that's what he's talking about. Uh, he's answering a question about whether he will ask Justice Clarence Thomas to recuse himself or step down uh, on any decisions related to January 6th or election fraud. Of course, there's no election fraud. It's a, it's a big lie, you know. And so um, uh, the, the, the rage is in, and the, the attacks against Clarence Thomas and Jenny Thomas are increasing. And I just need you to know about this, because I want to ask you a question. Whenever you hear a Supreme Court decision, as I deliver so many of them to you here, and I tell you about one more gut punch that we've had from that court, uh, the disappointment in Amy Coney Barrett and uh, Justice Kavanaugh and John Roberts long ago, we got over ever expecting him to do something that we could trust. And we have Clarence Thomas. We have Sam Alito also. And Neil Gorsuch is proving to be pretty, pretty solid, steady conservative on almost every issue. Also, but really the one who's the most steady, but Sam Alito's right there with him. But Clarence Thomas, this is a guy who has incredible character. And when he was, 30 years ago, nominated for that position, they put him through hell. And the person leading the charge on that was Joe Biden. I wish you could see Joe Biden's face in that clip, because he's actually like got his famous smirk on it. He's, you know, no, I've got, you know, I, I, told, I leave that up to the Justice Department and the... Um, the uh, committee, you know? Yes, yeah, so, but uh, wink and a nod, he's uh, pretty happy that Justice Thomas is being attacked. And uh, Justice Thomas, it, it, you, most of you are too, well, many of you are too young to remember what that was all about, uh, but he refused to step down. It was so hard on him and on his wife, Jenny, so terribly hard to hear uh, the accusations against him. It was the first time in my memory ever, and it's probably the first time, that a just a Supreme Court justice nominee was so thoroughly they tried so thoroughly to embarrass him on embarrassing things, just ridiculous. I won't even restate them, but uh, looking back in time, it was a ridiculous accusations that Anita Hill lobbed at him. It wasn't anything about sexual activity, nothing about an affair, nothing, not even you know even that they wouldn't talk about now. But no, it was it was a it was just a. It was ridiculous, and yet they made a spectacle of it, and it was humiliating to him because he was a man of integrity and character. And if, again, you haven't seen the movie Created Equal, I listen, I commend that to you. I love that movie. I think I've seen it three times now. Um, and, yes, I do know Justice Thomas, um, and I've seen up close and personal the character that he has. He's just an incredible person. If you watch Created Equal, you'll understand why that is, and that's why this is so wrong. Uh, you remember he called his a nomination fiasco 
the uh, hearings in the Judiciary Committee chaired by Joe Biden, a high-tech lynching. A high-tech lynching. And he was right about that. That wasn't an exaggeration. And when they asked him, you know, if he was going, someone asked him at one point in that uh, ordeal if he was going to step down or, and he said basically, no, blank no. No, 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 he's not budging. He's not stepping down. So I have to tell you, I doubt very much if all of this clamoring against him is going to cause him uh, to step back. And I want to make the point again that we have had many, uh, Jenny Thomas is a very active conservative political operative. She has been for years before she ever met Clarence Thomas. Uh, She grew up in a home where her parents were activists. Uh, they were hardcore. Mother was with Eagle Forum, uh, and so that's what she moves and breathes. That's who she is. It's who she was before she met and married Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas has his own story about his conversion, really his his spiritual turning point, but then also uh, his embrace of conservative ideals. He was a radical leftist, <laughs> and now you know. So for years, he spent honing his understanding of conservatism. He didn't come to Jenny Thomas as some rabid leftist, and suddenly she's changed him and, you know, whispers to him on the night because because he's such a weak person with a weak mind, and he'll only do what Jenny thinks. It's just ridiculous. Uh, If you know them, you know that it's in many marriages. uh, Certainly, uh, people can have an undue and bad influence on their spouses. And most people, I have to say, really do in some way try to accommodate spouses that have opposite views of them. Uh, maybe that's necessary for survival. I don't know. But I have to tell you that um, I don't have a problem like that. They are of one mind on so many things. Now, they, And I'm sure that they, knowing knowing them, I'm sure that they do not cross the line. But that's not even the issue. Uh, what you have to understand is that this whole notion of him having a conflict of interest is now about the election of 2020. And the January 6th, um, what's happening to the January 6th prisoners, what happened, the so-called insurrection, which is not an insurrection at all, any decisions that might come up to the court, that's what they're scared to death about. And they want Clarence Thomas out of there. They don't want him making any decisions. They know they control can control the others, well, most of the others. Uh, half of them, they know what they're, well, four of them, they know what they're going to do because they'll carry the water for the left. And um, But then, of course, the squishy spineless uh, other so-called conservatives will be, you know, I I don't know what's going on there. It just seems like um, Amy Coney Barrett and Justice Kavanaugh have something to prove. Like they were nominated by President Trump, but they didn't, you know, they didn't embrace him. And so they've got to prove it somehow in their decisions that they're not conservative. That to me is um, such weakness and such disappointment, especially with Amy Coney Barrett. We thought that she was we fought for her because we were told by people on the inside that she was the real deal and that her decisions were she was beyond impeccable with her integrity that she would bring you know constitutional conservatism to the court but she didn't and hasn't especially on covid it's just been disgraceful what she has done so that was a long setup to the question i wanted to ask you do you do you want to wake up tomorrow morning and find out that justice uh retired from the court because of the pressure, because of the ridiculous protests in his right in front of his house, that he should even actually be exposed as to where he lives is so dangerous uh, that all of these naysayers uh, should destroy this good man. Would that be 
would that affect you? You you better believe it would affect you. He's often one of two or three voices, and he is the main voice because he's now the oldest uh, member of the court um, as soon as Breyer is fully stepping down. So, uh, But that reminds me now to actually what's happening in D.C. Knives are out. As a matter of fact, congressmen are speaking up, black congressmen, because, of course, they are especially equipped uh, to criticize Justice Clarence Thomas. And so here it is, Cory Brooker, and, um, yeah, I'm not sure who the other one is, but let's listen. Clip three. It is deeply troubling that the wife of a Supreme Court justice appears to have been intimately involved in peddling the big lie, perhaps fanning the flames of the insurrection. And he has hurt the legitimacy of the court and he should resign, excuse me, he should recuse himself uh, from future matters. That was a slip. <laughs> yeah, boy, they're, they're loving this. That's Hakeem Jeffries and Cory Booker. And, of course, uh, Justice Thomas was sick last week. We don't know how seriously, but he was in the hospital for a week with an infection, came home Sunday night to be greeted by protesters. I woke up Monday morning to be, you know, have his wife uh, uh, issue a clarion call for her. to. She must come testify before the January 6th committee because uh, she said publicly, she said, I was there on January 6th, it got cold, and I left early. Uh, but she has now these exchanges with Mark Meadows, who's the chief of staff for President Trump, where she's basically trying to get Republicans to step up to the plate and fight back on the election narrative and on all, against what the narrative is on January the 6th, and that is her, that is her crime. And now uh, Justice Thomas naturally will think exactly like Jenny, only because Jenny thinks it, not because he himself uh, should look at the ex- election evidence and feel that perhaps there was some fraud there. He couldn't possibly come to that conclusion by himself. It's only because of Jenny Thomas. Uh, then, of course, uh, I wanted to tell you that many of the justices, I think of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think of Elena Kagan, they have such conflicts of interest. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was, was the ACLU. She never recused herself from any of the decisions of the issues that the ACLU handles, like abortion. totally pro-abortion, totally gay marriage. Ruth Bader Ginsburg performed gay marriages when it was illegal. So did Elena Kagan. They both talked about it, boasted about it. Ruth Bader Ginsburg criticized President Trump publicly while she was sitting on the court and he was president. That's supposed to not be allowed, but she did it. But no one ever asked her to be recused because she, of course, was, you know, the great leftist goddess and they had to, um, you know, commemorate her great achievements. So it's a completely uh, the law, by the way, does not say that a justice have to, has to recuse for political opinions. It usually is financial conflicts, and that's it. But I want to play a couple of more clips for you here. Uh, this was uh, let's see, this is Molly Hemingway on what's happening, and she uh, last night on Fox. This is in clip four. Particularly with Clarence Thomas, they've been trying to destroy this man for 30 years, lying about him, uh, continuing a campaign of attempted destruction. And it hasn't worked. And he's had a very successful uh, time as a Supreme Court justice because he has resisted these attempts. But it is it is just their latest in a long term. It's unbelievable, and it's ridiculous to talk this way. First off, it's it's worth noting, speaking of the ACLU, the Judge Reinhard in the Ninth Circuit in California, his wife was serving as executive director of the ACLU while he was deciding cases that involved the ACLU. Uh, Judge Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg, had tons of conflicts of interest. But there is also this dangerous rhetoric that you're not allowed to have any problems with the 2020 election. That is un-American to say that. And in fact, it's completely legitimate to have issues with the 2020 election, problems, whether it's about the media, 
media corruption or big tech censorship or all of the changes to laws, the hundreds of changes of laws and processes that well, took Wisconsin place. Wisconsin had some problems with the, the 2020 the election. The private takeover of, of uh, government election offices through Mark Zuckerberg funding. And there's this attempt to just make it where you can't talk about those things at all. And that's very unfair. Right. He is. He's, he's, the, he's one of the greatest Americans we've ever had. He's one of the most consistent Amazing man. justices. And that's the problem for them. They don't like that he's such a constitutionalist, that he cares about the original uh, meaning of the Constitution. That is a threat to their progressive agenda. That's why they hate him as well. Yes. And so the other part I want to kind of sit on, because I mentioned this yesterday, but didn't really get into the text of it. The Wall Street Journal did uh, an editorial in which like, they sort of supported Clarence Thomas. Uh, but they did a swipe against Jenny Thomas. And this is the, you know, the Wall Street Journal is supposed to be like the friend of, you know, conservatives, but it isn't. It's fiscally, I guess, conservative, I suppose. But editorially, you know, they are owned by Fox, and Fox will not talk about the big lie, you know? The big lie. The big lie is that there was any problem at all in the 2020 election. No, there wasn't. That is just ridiculous. And so I'll I'll read it from the uh, pages of the Wall Street Journal here. Um, Miss Jenny Thomas sent a text to um, to Mark Meadows, and uh, this is what they say about the message. The messages certainly aren't flattering to Mrs. Thomas, who has long been active in conservative political circles. They show that, distraught by the election result, she indulged some of the nuttier election fraud theories when the Trump campaign was challenging the results in court. Help this great president stand firm, Mark, she wrote on November 10th, you are the leader with him who is standing for America's constitutional governance at the precipice. The majority knows Biden and the left is attempting the greatest heist of our history. Mrs. Thomas suggests that lawyer Sidney Powell be the lead in the face of the Trump legal team. Ms. Powell is being sued for defamation by a voting machine company for peddling falsehoods. There is no evidence that voting machines were manipulated to change votes in 2020. Even the Trump team dumped Mrs. Powell as it concluded she had no evidence. Oh, it goes on. You saw, I, that's why I said yesterday, with friends like that, you know, who needs enemies? Uh, so obviously the Wall Street Journal, uh, they just are, uh, they're not aware of what's going on in Wisconsin right now where the former Supreme Court justice there uh, is, has found all of this election fraud. They're not familiar with what's happening in Georgia, what's happening in Pennsylvania. They just didn't read, you know, other newspapers, I guess, because they still think it's a big lie. And that's why they're trying to get Justice Thomas out, so he has no way to rule on those cases. This is the sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the ministry of preborn. The heartbeat of a preborn baby can be heard as early as six weeks on ultrasound. The sound of a heartbeat changes everything. I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out that I was having three baby boys. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free heartbeats for moms in crisis in America and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time and this time, there were three. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses. 
watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MetaShare has a new option called MetaShare 65+. Plus. MetaShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MetaShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings, very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. At Liberty University, we're proud to support those who serve and protect us every day, like first responders and past and present military members and their spouses. As thanks for your service, we offer special tuition rates and discounts. You'll also find deployment-friendly classes and degrees tailored to your specific interests and career goals. Learn how Liberty designs degrees just for you by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. Something is very wrong in Austin, Texas. The independent school district literally becoming a mouthpiece for radical gay, lesbian, and transgender activities. The libs of TikTok Twitter page has been exposing a dangerous and radical agenda. They received internal messages from a fourth grade teacher who says that Gay Pride Week should be extended. She also announced that 20 of her 32 students now identify as LGBT. Schools also held a dance party featuring local drag queens. Video, which you can see on my website, shows fully grown, scantily clad men dancing with small children. Fifth graders took part in a gay message board promoting ideas like removing the Pledge of Allegiance and police officers from local schools. The message board also promoted something called homomarxism. This is the same school district that banned parents from participating in Pride Week activities, and now we know why. The Austin Independent School District did not want parents to know they were grooming the children. I'm Todd Stearns. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I just want to give you an idea of what I was talking about a few minutes ago. The way they handled the nomination, of, for instance, of uh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett and uh, and Katanji Brown Jackson. Sorry, I'm a little bit stumbling because I'm, as usual, trying to do too much. Katanji Brown Jackson and uh, Amy Coney Barrett. There is a montage here of the difference in the way they covered them when they were nominated, just to prove my point about how twisted. Uh, things are when it comes to the treatment of Justice uh, Thomas and and um, yes, and the other justices that are on the left. So this is a montage of what happened on television. It just gives you an idea of how bad this is. This is clip seven from yesterday. Such a great day for history to be made, particularly with somebody with the credentials of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. The nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, which could bring potential setbacks on women's rights. And she is the candidate of the base. She, she is the full Trump program. That was Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, President Joe Biden's overwhelmingly qualified pick. To hey, do Gorsuch, do 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 Kavanaugh next, and let's do a Hail Mary with the real right wing lunatic. I mean, I- what Josh Hawley is doing when he tries to do this um, is he's trying to get her killed. 
He is trying to get violence done against a Supreme Court nominee. It is not devoutly Catholic to take away people's health care, as Amy Coney Barrett has repeatedly said she will. So what we're left with is a hypocrite. At the White House today, President Biden standing beside two history-making black women. We have a really special look at Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. We are talking with her lifelong friend, sharing what they want us all to know about their dear friend who's on the cusp of history. Barrett's linked to a small charismatic Christian community called People of Praise. Amid speculation, the group may have inspired the novel and Emmy award-winning drama, The Handmaid's Tale. It makes sense that the right will come for criminal justice reform. I think that's the only thing they can do because this woman is so... She's uh, unassailable. She, she's unassailable. Without Go without ahead. slandering ahead, that some of the names we're seeing, Judge Amy Coney Barrett said something that should scare all of us. With stellar academic and legal credentials and a compelling life story. Nancy Cordes caught up with three of Judge Jackson's oldest friends. And I've always known she could be the one. You can always count on your girlfriends to get you through and support you and lift you up. Thank you, Nancy. That was really lovely. Barrett is a favorite of religious conservatives for her strong anti-abortion rights views. And if confirmed, would move the court to the right for a generation. All right, so there you go. I just, uh, you know, I wish you could have actually seen it. But you see the difference in coverage. How could you miss it? Uh, Amy Coney Barrett was, uh, you know, that's Trump's. You know, whatever he wants, whatever his program is, that's who she is. And uh, uh, Katanji Jackson Brown is uh, Brown Jackson is like uh, our girlfriend, our girlfriend. She just brings such dignity to the court. She's just, I, my heart is beating fast. This is the way it goes. And so, I want to bring you up to date on that nomination because uh, there are some wrinkles here, and I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, I, there is a shoe that's about to drop today from Mike Davis, who was our, who's been our guest recently a lot, the head of Article Three Project. Um, he says if he can get through reading these, he's got a team working on records that the Democrats and the White House withheld from Republicans on the committee that was vetting her record. All right, so it's the Judiciary Committee that was vetting her record. The White House did not release all the records, and so they're finding out new things about Katanji Brown-Jackson. And uh, I'll want to read you just these short tweets that Mike uh, issued yesterday. He says, I'm definitely going to release these court records. They are infuriating. Reporters should have done their jobs and done this weeks ago. We just have to read them first. And then um, another following on that, this is a cover-up by the Biden White House and Senate Democrats. They're covering up her record. They intentionally omitted this case from less than a year ago because it did not fit their political narrative. And that case turns out to be something that she decided like about in her capacity. It's not long ago. It's a case of a guy who had such horrible um, uh, child pornography uh, that he was viewing, and I don't know if he was distributing. I, I, I'm not going to go into all the details of that, but uh, the parole officer recommended, told her about how sadistic and horrible the things were that this man was viewing uh, and whatever else he was doing with it, but certainly viewing it. And he recommended a sentence, and this is the guy that deals with the criminal, the potential criminal. Uh, this guy recommended to her a certain sentence and she gave a much, much lower sentence. And she has, you know, always has a reason. She says it's because, you know, <clears throat> if it's just on the computer, it's not really a crime. And, uh, and so that's what she has done over and over again. Mike Davis's position on this is that senators will regret rushing to vote on this nomination. They will have to defend the indefensible with their constituents back home. And I want to uh, commend to you an article that I mentioned to you just uh, yesterday. 
or the day before, and I may have re-mentioned it yesterday because it's so important. It's um, I read it on the air Monday. It's from The Hill, and it's an article by Kevin Brock, who is a former FBI agent whose area was you know, prosecuting people involved in child porn. And uh, it is very explicit about what this is about. And I mentioned to you, and I'll say it again, uh, when I was president of CWA, um, our chief legal counsel, Jan LaRue, and I went to see uh, Attorney General John Ashcroft because the Justice Department under President um, Bush was not prosecuting pornography either. Just almost nothing. Almost this with under the Clinton administration, nobody prosecuted anything. And we hoped that when John Ashcroft came in, that he would actually take some action. <clears throat> His excuse for not doing it was that he never looked at it. He doesn't look at it. He just can't. He's not into that. He doesn't want to see it. So it's like you know, if he doesn't see it, it doesn't exist. And so we, uh, you can imagine the conversation. Just said, look. You're going to have to man up, and you're going to have to know what they're doing, because even then, Jan, who had been working in this area for so long, trust me, I can't stand bothers me so much I could just thinking about it. But much of it was babies, uh, I, and I can't be, without having you pull your kids away from uh, the microphone again, I, can't, I just can't go further with that. Let me just say that it's the worst of the worst. It's just incredible. It's just brutal. And this is the kind of stuff that men are viewing now. It's not just, you know, you might think, oh, it's maybe prepubescent girls who or who look like uh, women, but they're young, and maybe, maybe you know, I could, but no, 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 this is little children. It's horrible, and even babies. And so that's, Kevin Brock kind of spells it out, and that's the kind of stuff that Katanji Brown-Jackson is okay with. She sent, gives them the smallest sentence possible. It is it really is shocking. And uh, this is something else. Mitt Romney met with Katanji Brown-Jackson. He's been saying he's neutral on it. He's not sure. And so um, Mike, Mike Davis says this. Mitt Romney opposed Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson's elevation to the D.C. Circuit nine months ago. The only thing changing since then is we learned that she ordered very weak sentences on child pornographers every chance possible. Now Romney is a maybe. I'll just let that sit. Because why is that? Why is this not so offensive that there's a, a, a groundswell of uh, opposition? You, you tell me. And so um, you may wonder what you can do, and I, we will put this article from The Hill back on uh, Getter this morning. I asked Adam to do it yesterday. We're going to do it again today. I want to make sure that you see exactly what it is that she's signing off on and having great sympathy for the, the uh, child pornographers, much more than the victims. Um, I, I want you to, I not, you're not going to see images. Uh, you're just going to read, have a little more hint about what it's about. It's pretty amazing, but from this former FBI agent. And, and uh, so according to Rick Manning of um, America's for a limited government, uh, sources on Capitol Hill are saying that that this nomination actually could be in trouble. And uh, the final beat vote, vote could be incredibly close. And I say that to you to say that, you know, call your senators. You cannot be sure Unless Ted Cruz or Josh Hawley are your senators, you cannot be sure how they're going to vote. And uh, I, I just think they need to know, at the very least, even if they're inclined to vote against her, they need to know that you have their back, that the American public is not down with this. And so uh, you can find the number. I think, again, the, your, the offices in your home state are the best place to call. Now, that staff live in your state. They're the ones that are closest to you. And when you call them, it has more impact. So... 
call them and tell them, no, on Ketanji Brown-Jackson. I don't care if she's a liberal judge replacing a liberal judge. That that reasoning went out the window when we started losing the country. And uh, now I want to move, I want to morph into something else because it'll kind of show you why this is so important. And this would be, uh, well, Disney, I've been on a roll, haven't I, with Disney? And I'm not getting off that roll because more stuff keeps coming out. And what's the issue? The issue is exposing children to sexual, uh, just uh, raping them of their innocence. I don't know what else to say. The bill signed in Florida that the LGBTQ blah, 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 blah activists are criticizing uh, says simply that from kindergarten to third grade, children cannot be exposed to this graphic sexuality, talked about to about transgenderism and changing their sex and all of that. That's just grade three. It's okay, grade four through whatever. Uh, and so, um, as a matter of fact, just to give you an idea of the trouble, the, the serious trouble we're having in America's classrooms, this is Corey Bernhardt. He's a Florida kindergarten teacher. And uh, uh, this is what he says about he's gay and he's, you know, really worried about this bill because, you know, I'll let you tell I'll let him tell you why he's so worried. This is clip one. Just give me first your reaction for having me excited to, to be here to the Florida governor signing this um, into law. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's twofold. It really hits hard um, in my heart professionally and uh, personally, both uh, professionally. It, it truly makes me feel like um, I am not trusted as a professional um, I know my kindergarten standards through and through, and um, nowhere in our curriculum does it have anything about um, teaching sexual orientation or sexual identity. Um, so for them to, to say that, that, that that's happening, um, it, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, we should be able to have discussions, and, and that's what we're encouraged to do in kindergarten. And then personally, because... Um, you know, my, my kids do have questions. They want to know who the, uh, my partner is in pictures yeah. outside of my classroom, and I should be able to speak to that. Um, that's what we do as educators. We build relationships with our kids. And in order to build relationships, you talk about your home life. You talk about what you do on the weekends. That's building community. I'm also worried for my kids. I have a little girl this year who has two moms, and the kids are curious about her two moms. They want to know about her two moms. You know, if they come to if they go to her and ask her about her two moms and she doesn't know what to say, they're going to come to me and ask me. And then, you know, so what do I do? It just it opens up uh, for parents to really take some legal action against the schools and teachers. And I, I am afraid uh, for myself, my colleagues and my students. How do you expect to navigate that that situation? Because for, for as a parent of a young child, I want to celebrate difference and I want my child to celebrate differences as well and to learn about them. Absolutely. You know, it's hard to navigate, uh, especially when you have words uh, that are uh, injecting, indoctrinating. When you have those words coming from um, you know, our state legislators. All right, he goes on and on and on. That's our, enough. Uh, but he's a kindergarten teacher in Florida, and he's worried that he can't talk about his gay partner. He also talks about, the, you know, the things he does about, you know, well, anyway, he can't talk to his kindergartners, and it's just such a loss. And, of course, if he doesn't explain about two mommies uh, to the children, who else will do it? Oh, I'm, you know, maybe maybe the parents? Maybe the parents. But, you know, parents do not factor in in today's mind. Parents are being uh, blotted out. This is the leftist way of things, uh, that there are not, uh, you know, these families, mother, father, children, 
cohesive groups that God created, there are just people, and children don't necessarily belong to you. They belong to the state, and the state can co-opt and teach them and train them the way they want to teach and train them. All right, so here we have this teacher. So there you go. Uh, This is Florida, and so DeSantis signs this law, and uh, this is what he said yesterday in response to Disney, which I'm going to get into next. I talked to you about their statement yesterday. They double down. They're all in to fight this bill. They're all in to fight the bill in Texas that's being discussed about uh, investigating parents who are having their children change their gender. Uh, and so it's a battle. And so DeSantis had a great response, I think, for Disney. This is what he said, clip nine. You know, we signed the, the Parents' Rights in Education bill. It's interesting when, like, a Disney-owned ABC would put that out on tweet. They'd say, Governor DeSantis signs bill to prohibit uh, instruction in sexual identity and gender identity in some grades. Some grades. Why would they say some grades instead of K through three? It's just amazing if you're trying to inform the... So you saw a lot of this. But then for Disney to come out and put a statement and say that the bill should have never passed and that they are going to actively work to repeal it, I think one was fundamentally dishonest, but two, I think that crossed the line. This state is governed by the interests of the people of the state of Florida. It is not based on the demands of California corporate executives. They do not run this state. They do not control this state. I also thought it was interesting. I talked to the Speaker of the House yesterday afternoon, and he said Disney never called him while they were putting this through the House. They didn't seem to have a problem with it when it was going through. If this was such an affront, why weren't they speaking up at the outset? And yet they won't. And then for them to say they're going to actively work to repeal substantive protections for parents as a company that is supposedly marketing its services to parents with young children, uh, I think they crossed the line. And, you know, people ask me, you know, kind of about, you know, their posture on the bill. I said, you know what? If we would have put in the bill that you were not allowed to have curriculum that discussed the oppression of the Uyghurs in China, Disney would have endorsed that in a second. And that's the hypocrisy of this. And, um, you know, we're going to make sure we're fighting back when people are threatening our parents and threatening our kids. Yes. All right. So there, there you go. I mean, that's, that's not even all of it. I've got some, uh, someone actually um, has found some undercover video or uh, uh, they've captured video of Disney employees talking on a Zoom call. And when we return, I want you to hear what the Disney Entertainment President, Carrie Burke, has to say. That's just one person, and it's uh, it's going to make the ears blow back. I hope it does. I hope that you are waking up to how corrupt and vile Disney has become over these last several decades. And they don't deserve your support. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way. The Alexa way. 
So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A friend of mine who pastors a church in Nigeria once said to me, you know, America has sent more missionaries into the world than any other nation before it. But the nation that once sent missionaries has now become the mission field. As you consider the calling God has for you, I just want to remind you that just as other nations need missionaries, we need missionaries in America, too. There are a lot of neighborhoods right here in our country that desperately need evangelism and discipleship. Let's not forget about them. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. I know we're all praying for Ukraine, and Eastern Europe is a part of the world where Bible League has a very strong presence. In nearby Albania, Pastor Ephraim is preaching away one Sunday. There's a ruckus at the door. Who is it? Twenty militant Muslims. They storm the pulpit, drag this man down the aisle. His family, many in the church who are new converts, are just horrified. They take this man to the front lawn where they beat him nearly to death. You know what his crime is? Very simply, that he has been patiently and winsomely sharing Christ with Muslims and atheists and they are coming to place their faith in Jesus Christ. But the leaders in those uh, movements are not happy. You know when I ask him, how can we pray for you, brother? He did not say, pray for an end to our suffering. He says, pray that we'll see those around us as the mission field and more will come to Christ. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sends 20 to Eastern Europe today. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. 800 yes word or give it sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. You can tell a lot about a country by how its elites treat children and those who mistreat them. So, it's ominous that America's identity politics-obsessed left is promoting a new favorite category, so-called minor attracted persons. This odious practice of excusing pedophiles, child abusers, and sexual predators has been brought to the fore by the Senate's review of Supreme Court nominee Judge Catania Brown-Jackson's sentencing record. Just how problematic is her consistent practice of giving wherever possible relatively light punishments to such convicted criminals is suggested by her failure to disclose or otherwise explain to senators the most recent and egregious of these cases. That failure may constitute a felony offense. Either way, Judge Jackson's extremism must be considered disqualifying for a lifetime seat on the highest court in the land. If she will not withdraw, she must be rejected. This is Frank Afney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. We have, uh, you know, I fill this show with bad news every day. Not on purpose, it's just that the news is bad. You know, it really is. When I used to do a, a, a drive time show and I had time, I would, on purpose, I would throw in lots of funny things and other stories. Uh, but I do feel my, I just feel compelled uh, with you since I've been doing this show to deliver what's happening in the world to you every morning. And I don't have the luxury, you know, of stopping to, to tell the lighter stories because I just don't feel I do. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of the, the, uh, 
that has been what I feel God has called me to do. But there's good news this morning, so I want to bring it to you. Do you remember the Finnish parliamentarian uh, Paiva Rasanen and Bishop Poyolo? I'm probably pronouncing them, butchering their names. Uh, but remember that um, she was the former Minister of Interior. She was charged with hate speech for sharing her faith-based views on marriage and sexual ethics. Uh, she did it in a tweet. She did it in a radio debate. She wrote a pamphlet. And then this bishop, uh, Pojolo, uh, faced charges for publishing her pamphlet for his congregation. That was over 17 years ago. It is on marriage. She's married to a pastor. And uh, she, if you've seen any videos of her, she's the most gracious lady, most articulate, beautiful, just calm in the face of this storm. Uh, she reminds me very much of the, the, uh, the florist in Washington State. Uh, every time she was, you know, put on trial, she just glowed. Her face would just glow. It was beautiful. So that's the way this uh, woman has been, from my perspective, this Finnish MP, former Finnish. Right? She's current. She's the former Minister of Interior. But um, so here's the story. The Finnish MP wins all wins on all charges in major free speech trial. All charges against Finnish parliamentarian Paivi Rasanen and Bishop Pojolo are unanimously dismissed. The former Finnish Minister of the Interior faced three criminal charges for sharing her faith-based beliefs. And so um, the court said in their statement, uh, they said that uh, it is not for the district court to interpret biblical concepts. The prosecution was ordered to pay more than 60000 EUR in legal costs and has seven days to appeal the ruling. So that's amazing. I mean, that really is a great victory. It's a great victory in the middle of post-Christian Europe, which is further down the pike, you know, down, and I mean down, that's the direction, uh, than we are in terms of their uh, their embrace of Christianity. But, you know, there's a, there are a lot of Christians still in Europe, and there is, in spite of what they say and how they act, uh, in their DNA, there is a lot of Christian teaching. And so I, I would imagine that factored in here, that somewhere— uh, deep down, they resonated with the, the fact that this was wrong and that there's there's some measure of truth in what she says. I can't get inside their minds, but that's what I think. But anyway, that's good news, and I wanted to share with you some, you know, uncommon good news. And that brings us back to Disney World, Disneyland, Disney World, and I want to bring you now more bad news. I'm sorry, but this is this clip that um, was uncovered uh, is by. Uh, let's see. This is one of the producers, uh, Latoya Raveno. Uh, she is a lesbian, and uh, she uh, she just kind of weighed in on her her job is to, uh, well, it's to govern content, and so she's pretty ecstatic about her ability to do that at Disney. And this is what she says, clip six. It's like I love Disney's content. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics. They have been a huge, like, informative <laughs> part of my life. But at the same time, like. I worked at small studios most of my career and I'd heard, you know, you hear whispers. Like I'd heard things like, oh, you know, they won't let you show this at a Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little like sus when I started. But then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard on my little pocket of like, you know, proud family, Disney TVA. Um, the showrunners were super welcoming Meredith Roberts and like the, the, our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my like not at all secret gay agenda and so like i i feel like i felt like it was i mean like maybe it was that way in the past but i guess like something must have happened in the last like like they're turning it around they're going hard and then 
all that like momentum that I felt like that sense of, I don't have to be afraid to like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's in the background, like I was just wherever I could just basically adding queerness to like, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. Yeah, so, um, you know, we, we talked about that's been happening for a long time. Well, I'm sure she doesn't go back to the late 90s when I first uh, discovered what was happening at Disney. Uh, but she's, what did she say? She said that they were really welcoming to my super gay agenda. And so if you see two characters kissing, kissing I'm going to be adding queerness to just, you know, anything that I can. Well, if you think she's an aberration, well, that's just one employee, right? So, well, let's see. Carrie Burke is the Disney Entertainment President. And she made some very interesting comments on a Zoom call. Let's listen. I'm, I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually. Um, uh, one transgender child um, um, and one pansexual child. Um, and, and also as a leader. Um, and that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks um, in open forums and through emails and phone conversations. And um, I feel a responsibility to speak, um, not just for myself, but for them, uh, to all of us. We, we, had a, we had an open forum last week at 20th where, um, again, the home of, of really incredible groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories over the years where um, one of our execs stood up and said, you know, we only have a handful of queer leads in our content. And I went, what? I, that can't be true. And I, and I, and I realized, oh, it, it actually is true. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories. And, and, and yet we don't have enough leads um, and narratives in which gay characters just, just get to be characters um, and, and not have to be about, gay stories. And so um, that's been very eye-opening for me. Um, and and I, I can tell you, um, it's something that I feel perhaps had this moment not happened, um, I as a leader and me as my colleagues would not have focused on. And, and going forward, um, I, I certainly will be more so. I know that we will be. And, um, and I hope this is a moment where um, the 50% of the tears... <laughs> Sorry, are <laughs> coming. Um, uh, we don't. We just don't allow each other to go backwards. Yeah. So Disney Entertainment President Carrie Book, mother of one transgender child, one pansexual child, uh, weeps at the thought that Disney needs a queer lead, a queer leading character in a Disney movie. We need that, and we're going to press for that. And, of course, uh, the Nadine, um, LaToya Ravenel is going to be putting in gay kisses and any kind of uh, her, with her, what you call it, her super gay agenda. She's going to make sure it's there. So, you know, uh, let me just say this. Um, I do not think that we can boycott everything. It's not possible. The soap that you use to bathe with or the, you know, the, the car that you drive or uh, any any kind of product that you buy – I think that you would, uh, we would collectively drive ourselves crazy if we tried to only buy a product that was by, from some company that was not doing something that we disagreed with, who was public stances were. 
Some of that we can't know. Um, and it's impossible, I think. But when you do know, this has been my own personal, um, this is the conclusion I came to in my own personal life. When I find out something for sure about a product or a person that is so egregious, and I know that I'm supporting that, that's when I have to do something. And then that's the reason why. And I don't, I have never uh, actually, uh, except for Target, uh, our, our AFA boycott of them, and I've certainly participated in that. And I'm still participating in that for good reasons. When you let uh, boys and girls dressing rooms, and then there's uh, there are things that happen as a result of that. People are harmed, and they double down and insist uh, on letting them letting that happen. Then I think it's time to you know shop somewhere else. And it's not that I can hurt Target really, but I can, with my own conscience, not support that. I feel the same way about Disney. I cannot, in good conscience and have not been able to for several decades here now. I cannot, I cannot, knowing all this, and it's only gotten worse. You know, I'm kind of ashamed, my, we brought, uh, one of our kids came back from Scotland. No, yeah, well, one of the times uh, that we actually took them to Disney when they were transitioning to Scotland, I think that's what it was. And we spent, of course, an exorbitant amount of money, and um, that's beside, that's another thing. But um I, I broke my own rule doing that because I wanted my kids to experience the Disney that I remembered. Um, and uh, But I kind of regret that. I really do. <clears throat> now, I'm not making a hard, fast rule, and I'm not saying that you have to do what I do, but I'm just telling you, uh, what does the Scripture say? The Scripture says if you know to do good <clears throat> and you don't do it, that's in sin. And so I'm just saying uh, it's time maybe to change our minds about things, make some changes, because it really has gotten so so corrupt. You can hear from the leaders. We, I didn't even play all of those. Christopher Rufo is the one who discovered or was able to get access to those uh, videos of uh, Disney employees talking about what they're going to be doing. And you know, it all goes into that whole, now, I have to confess to you that I know almost nothing about QAnon conspiracy theories. Um, just what I've picked up from press and just from a few things, I, just a few things, but the one thing that I do know that at least it's attributed to them, whether it's true or not, I don't know, is this whole, the pedophilia ring and the, the, the depths to which um, people around the world have gone to promote pedophilia. And I guess I don't, I don't know about QAnon, but I would say that I do know, having covered the LGBT uh, issue for so many years, uh, I've told you before that I've, we've known for a long time that the next horizon for them was pedophilia, the movement. Uh, and so, and we're beginning to see signs of that. You see Katanji Brown Jackson, you know, they're so excited about her nomination on the court and she is no, she's been doing for 20 years of her career in every capacity. She's been advocating for, uh, less stigma and lower sentences for a child, child pornographers, not just pornographers, child, child, what's that all about? And that brings me to just another story that struck me this morning. Two stories, one of a Democrat, one of a Republican. Here's a story that comes from PJ Media this morning. Elliot Cutler is a lifelong Democrat mega donor and politician. He is from Maine. Uh, he's donated to Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Obama. Uh, the Maine's GOP director, Jason Savage, says that Elliot Cutler is the benefactor of Maine, of Maine Democratic Party candidates and has traveled in elite Democratic circles for many decades. So why am I mentioning Elliot Cutler? Because I've never heard of him, but uh, because I have a mugshot of him and the Hancock County Jail in front of me arrested for child 
pornography. So that's one person that does not indict the entire Democratic Party. Don't mean to do that at all. I, I actually think this is a nonpartisan problem. Uh, and one person being found uh, guilty or being charged with child porn does not mean everybody's guilty, but we're just seeing too much of it bubbling up to the surface uh, with, uh, with the public trials of pornographers. Uh, we are seeing more and more of this, child pornographers. It's just amazing. And this reminds me of this story, which was bizarre to me. I said to my husband yesterday, this is a weird headline, but I'll tell it backwards. Okay, backwards. Madison Cawthorn is that young North Carolina Republican in the wheelchair. And uh, I don't know much about Madison, so I can't speak to him or his character. I have no knowledge. Honestly, I don't. So I'm not endorsing or criticizing because I don't know. But he went on a, a radio program uh, just recently called the Warrior Poet Society podcast with John Lovell. And uh, he was asked how realistic the Netflix series House of Cards is. Now, I haven't seen that, so I don't know what he's talking about until he says, Cawthorn responds, the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, being kind of a young guy in Washington, where the average of it is, is probably 60 or 70. You look at all these people, a lot of them I've looked up through my life. I've always paid attention to politics. Then all of a sudden you get involved. And they say, we're going to have a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. What did you just ask me to come to? And then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Cawthorn then alleged widespread drug use by lawmakers, suggesting they're guilty of hypocrisy when it comes to narcotics. Some of the people leading on the movement to try and remove addiction in our country, and you watch them do a key bump of cocaine right in front of you, and it's like, this is wild. Why do I mention that in this context? Because now the headline that I read was McCarthy to speak with Cawthorn over claims of lawmaker orgies and cocaine use. I just thought that was odd. Why Why? Why is that the headline? Why are, I just don't understand. It sounds like a, they're trying to like, they're concerned about what he said, not what the real truth is. That's my impression. That's my impression. There's a lot of depravity uh, happening right now, and we need to speak up for righteousness, which is what we're going to do, right? Because this is not God's way, and you know how God feels about people that harm children. We know clearly how he views that. Sandy Rios in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.